0: Hello and welcome to Everyday Martial Artist. I'm your host, Brian Doucette, and as we do every Thursday, we chat with a brand new guest talking about their their life and their journey throughout the world of martial arts and other stuff they've been involved in. My guest today is a United States Navy veteran. He has a degree in police science and served as a reserve officer. He was one of the top tournament competitors of his time, retired with more than 85 championship trophies, has appeared in several motion pictures, including a force of one, Black Belt Jones and Enter the Dragon, and he's co-founder of the Black Karate Federation. As his experience of life-changing benefits of martial arts and study became more apparent, he began to more vigorously pursue his spiritual calling. He is currently the Bishop of the Family Church International. His inspirational story can be read in one of my favorite books by one of my favorite authors, Conquest Over Hatred, The Donnie Williams Story, by previous guest Tom Bleeker. Please welcome to the show Bishop Donnie Williams. How are you doing today, sir?
1: I am absolutely blessed and just, I'm enjoying just hearing what you just said. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, well, that's good. <laughs> cool. Well, what what we like to do with all my guests, I want to jump back to the beginning. Where, where was that first spark, that first interest that led you to start your martial arts journey?
1: Well, it was a negative reason. I, I started martial arts because I was a racist. I did not love white people in any form and I wanted to Avoid getting beat up because I got beat up by uh, four white guys uh, when I was in the military, getting out of the military, rather. And I determined that would never happen again. And that was the starting point. Okay.
0: So you started, uh, you kind of started at a little later age then because you already been to the military. Now, did you have any military, uh, any martial arts training while in the military? Did you have at least have a experience?
1: Yes, I did. Uh, Prior to the military, I had a a training with uh, Donald Griff in Monrovia, California. Okay and but that was just looking through the window at wanting to train and couldn't afford to do karate and uh that that was it really was like you know introduction but i wasn't really a martial artist at the time just wanting to train but when i got in the military and and went to vietnam i there was a tiger division uh, a korean group called the tiger division that i used to watch them, them train on the beach And uh, that really got my interest because they were just absolutely fantastic. So that really sprung me into the arts in a serious manner. Okay.
0: So then how did you go about finding and choosing your first school, your first instructor then?
1: Well, my first school was in Kingsville, Texas. I was at the Naval Base in Kingsville, Texas, and I went to, went to a school. It was the only school, karate school in Kingsville, Texas, a guy named Jerry Atkins. Atkins, he's not alive anymore. Okay. Uh, but uh, when I was there, I went to his school, and I asked, and I trained martial arts. So I was in the Navy, and I was stationed there. But you talk you know, you, you you're talking about fifty-three years ago now. Right. And uh and he told me he said, No, uh, right now we don't we don't allow colored people to train with us at this moment, at this time, he said. And uh I, I said, Well, fine, but I, I want to train, you know, because I, I knew if I trained there, I would hurt somebody and uh that they give me reason. But he said no, he wouldn't want me to train. But at that time, karate lesson was only like Fifteen dollars a month, you know that was that was expensive back then, and uh, and so he finally I went back the second time. He told me, "Yeah, you can train, you can train. Come on, come on," and charged me twenty five dollars a month. Oh, jeez, wow. And uh, and then he, you know, I I started training. But though the guys that was training there, they appreciate the fact that I was there. I was like fresh meat for them. And and they would hurt me, and it always appeared it was accidental, you know. Oh, excuse me, excuse me. That type of, when I say accidental, they apologize for hitting me in my mouth and kicking my leg from under me. And, but they were so rough with me, they made me good. Because they wanted me to quit. Okay. And I wouldn't quit. And, they, I mean, it's like, I, I really want to share my heart on that because they, they didn't use the word, the N word back then. The word was nigger. Okay. So it wasn't the N word. So my point is I I was treated really, but I I refused to quit because I wanted to be good and I wanted to pay them back. And I wanted to show them how, and I kept training for almost nine months, nine months of training was like nine years in reality. Wow. Because I trained very hard and I kept going back and they kept wanting me to quit and I wouldn't quit. But the point in that is that was my opening in the martial arts. I can go into more detail about it, but that's basically my intro.
0: And then did you, while you were there, did you attain any rank or did they not allow you to test or anything?
1: Well, they they didn't really per se have tests. The instructor just promoted as you, as he saw your ability. Okay. It was not a test. And I, yeah, I made a green belt at that time.
0: Okay. And what style was that? Was that just straight karate or was that?
1: that When I trained that, was really taekwondo.
0: Oh, okay. And then did you get into competition at all at that time, or did that come
1: later? No, oh, no, they didn't let me go nowhere. They okay. didn't invite me to a tournament or told me about a tournament. Back then, it was like it was hardcore, and I, would, I just wasn't treated very good at that time. Right, but it helped me. It helped me because it made me better.
0: So then, after that nine months, what, what happened next? Where was your next step in your martial arts journey?
1: From I went from. That's when I went from uh, Di, uh, I went from uh, Kingsville, Texas, to Da Nang, Vietnam. And when I got in Vietnam, that's when I saw the Tiger Division and really got interested in watching those Koreans. And, and I believe that's when I really met, I'm not sure, I uh, met Byung yu I heard of him there, but I never, I never went face to face with him. I heard about Steve Sanders, but I never, I couldn't, I can't place where he was at the time. Okay. But during the, that era uh, in Vietnam, these guys had also uh, was in in Vietnam. So did, so did that, they let
0: you do any training with them at all or
1: just watch? Oh, no, oh no. No, no, no. They oh no. They, these guys was like what we would call on the today's, today's level brand masters, you know. Okay. Okay. And it was more it was more mental and physical and endurance and it was not like learning how to do a front kick or something. If you didn't know how to do a front kick, you weren't out there.
0: Okay. Wow. And how long were you there?
1: 13 months and 13 days in Vietnam. Wow.
0: And then what what came after that?
1: Then I came back to California and I began to look for a karate school, um, but I did not want to train in a, a, a white school, any white instructors at all. Mm-hmm. I wanted to uh, uh, find a black karate school or a crimp or some you know, because I, I, I remember I was a racist in, in the in the core of my heart. I right. wasn't, and I wasn't a racist because. I was with a group, or with a, with a bunch of people. It was Donnie Williams being a racist because he was a racist. Okay. Okay. <laughs> he was prejudiced. That, that's the bottom line. Okay. So I, so I end up going to um, Haywood, California, and try to find because I, you know, I heard of Young You and I saw write-ups in magazines and stuff after I got back, and so I end up finding him, and I end up going to his house and. Uh, he allowed me to train at his school, but I didn't have a place to live. I left I, when I got out of the military. I went from place to place, running around, and so he let me stay at the school. At that time, uh, it was I think it was Howard Jackson uh, hanging out around that time with me. Uh, but again, he wasn't famous. You understand that these are right. just guys training. Right. Uh, so then, Byung-Yu, I began to get really pretty good, and Byung-Yu allowed me to stay at his house. Literally, he. I slept in Young yus closet, literally, wow. not jokingly, <laughs> okay. because I didn't have a place to stay while I was there. I stayed at the credit school, then I stayed at his house for a couple of months, and then I left and came back to Southern California looking for Steve Muhammad. And when I found Steve Muhammad, I decided never to go back to uh, Haywood. I stayed out here and, and trained, and I met Steve uh, by accident. I walked into this school where there was a bunch of black guys was training and uh and i remember i was cocky i had a bad attitude i was a racist uh all the all the negatives in life i exhibit okay <laughs> so okay. i don't i, w- I don't want to clean it up and i don't want to i wasn't mean and bad i wasn't killing nobody or stabbing nobody or nothing but i had all the the negatives in my in my uh, mind so anyway so i walked into this, this school whatever it was school was it? like a warehouse or something there uh i can't remember muhammad told me what it was but i can't remember what he said i went into this uh, school there was training a uh, guy named big john and uh, uh, a few other people and i end up seeing the guys train and they really didn't look they really didn't look that good they was really uh compatible i would say orange belt purple belt and i was a brown belt at that time and so i said to to the guys on the floor it was about four or five of them i said you know what i think i can whoop any of you guys any of you and uh, the instructor looked at me i don't remember his name now but he looked at me and he just ignored me like i didn't say nothing at all you know because i said it aloud with an attitude but not angry. Just by the way, I think i can whoop <laughs> any of you. And this little twelve-year-old boy was sitting on the bench, maybe three feet from me. He looked at me and he said, "Hey, Mister." I said, "Yes." He said, "You know who that is over there?" And I said, "No." And I really don't care to the little boy, but very nicely. I didn't. Again, I wasn't uh, uh, you know negative in the sense of the kid, but I just said, "No," and I really don't care. And he said to me, that's Steve Sanders. And my I wanted to bite my tongue <laughs> because I, remember I, all I knew about Steve Sanders was his reputation with Ed Parker. Right. And because I mean I just know him by write-up. I didn't know him by person. And so I looked over at him. I I kind of leaned forward and looked over and saw him. And when I saw uh this guy was like 165 or 70 pounds. And what I heard of him, he had to be the fastest guy in the world, as far as I was concerned. And I, I said to them out loud, I said, you know what? Me and Steve Sanders can whip all of y'all together. <laughs> Everybody busts up laughing, including Steve Sanders. <laughs> and he laughed. And, and I would always say, sir, you know, I, I apologize for my rudeness. And I introduced myself. And we talked then. And that was in... It's 50, like fifty three years ago. So what, moved that be nineteen seventy nine or seventy eight? Okay, and so he uh, he said he, he he laughed and he said, you know, you, you you're pretty funny. He said to me, and we've been friends from that day until now. Wow,
0: that's a great story. So what what uh, what led you to competition then? When did you decide to start competing in tournaments?
1: When Steve Muhammad started the Black Karate Federation in 1979 as a legitimate organization and he started up and was training in the park and so on, we hadn't put the guys in some of the kids in competition because they wanted to fight. And when we put them in competition, naturally, the instructors, myself, Steve, and uh, Jerry Smith and and uh, a few of the other guys that was teaching, they went and compete also. You know, because the the students was competing and that's where it all began. I started there and I've been blessed to uh, compete in just about at least 10 different countries and and definitely all over the United States. But that I did that. And the better, the more I was in the martial arts and competing, the better I got, the nicer I became because it was it became all a stunt. Mm-hmm. You know I used to wear wear a cape when I went to the karate tournaments <laughs> really? i used to i used to carry my my g top iron and press in a uh briefcase yeah. I would carry my g top iron press <laughs> you know in that just all part of the 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 show okay and I used to tell my students if if a white man would beat me, I'll retire and that was my attitude, and that's what kept me competing. My big mouth, you know, not, I wasn't that great. I had a big mouth and, you know, did all kind of crazy stuff. So, uh, in fact, they wrote an article in uh, Karate Illustrated. It says, Karate Last Angry Man. <laughs> okay. And uh, so, anyway, that's my story up to, you know, maybe the first 15 years of my training
0: okay so what what was it like at the like the internationals in long beach back then i mean i've heard it was at that point like the biggest tournament in the world what was just the the atmosphere like in the experience in a a tournament that big as a a young competitor
1: the internationals was the martial arts or karate olympics that was our olympics that was that was the, the there was no tournament in the world bigger than the international I I, I have no statistics I can give you to be uh, absolutely correct, but I know when I won the championship, I won the world's title in 1977. There were at that time over 500 black belts competing, just black belts. Wow. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Because, and they were split us up into groups. So you had to, I, I remember fighting four or five times, and there's at least, you know, 60, 70 guys in my uh, my ring. And then they had, they, I mean, it, it fought all day long, okay. all day long. <laughs> so, Wow. Uh, and then when you got to the, the last four in the finals, or the last two in the finals, they would go into Sunday night to compete. But it was such a big event. I did not enter in 1977 <laughs> just to compete as a competitor. I had retired, but that spirit, that evil spirit that was in me rose up when the guy said that I cheated his student. And uh, naturally that brought on a challenge and I accept the challenge. And I borrowed a gee from Sammy Pace uh, and I, Willie McLaurin, I use his pants. I use Sammy's top and cup. And so I, I just, and I ended up in that became becoming the world champion.
0: Nice. Yeah. And I know that, that, that story in the book is, is so good. Just kind of, t- you know, obviously I, I want to encourage people to read the book because like I said, it's one of my favorite books. It's such an amazing book. Um, just a great, great read. And I encourage everyone to read it, but tell just a little bit about that, the, the story and the, and the the deal you made with, with God before that fight.
1: Oh, oh yeah. Well, I, to- uh, my, my mom is a missionary and, uh, <clears throat> and so she's always told, you know the family about God and our relationship with God, and uh, the type of people we should be. But when you when your parents are in church, you want to stay as far away from church as possible. Uh, but uh, I went into the this guy he, he he angered me so bad, until I as I say borrowed geese, and I went into the bathroom to pray. And I knelt down, because I didn't want nobody to see me, inside a stall over a toilet. And I said this to God. I said, if you help me whoop this guy, I would serve you. And I said that with such sincerity, and I really meant it 100%. because I knew if I said that, God would bless me, and then we'll deal with it later. <laughs> you know, So I had that kind of faith back then as a non-active Christian. And so I went out from that and competed. I competed just to win him. I wasn't competing to become uh, the world champion. That was not my motive. My motive was, I'm gonna get to him, I'm gonna whoop him, and then I'll go from there. I'll stop. Well, he was in a different ring, and I had to keep winning, and I go, after I win, I go see how his fight go, and he'll win. I keep winning, he kept winning, and he and I end up in the finals. (laughs) And naturally, in the finals, that's when it all came to a head. You could, I could not have written a script for that to turn out the way it did. But that's the way it turned out. I love and that. I was blessed to be able to to win that fight.
0: I love that story. That it's such, that story brought me to tears when I read it in the book. It's such a, mm-hmm. such an amazing and powerful story. And and,
1: and but I, but see, the thing is, now after I won, I didn't I didn't serve God <laughs> like I said. <laughs> not right, I right away. I did not serve him. <laughs> I, I did everything I could do. I was blessed at that point. I, I did two movies in Japan after I became the champion. Tadashi Yamashita uh, asked me, and I went, in, went with him. and did two movies in Japan with Tadashi Yamashita. Uh, came back, did two movies with Chuck Norris. Uh, when I got back, uh, Break Breaker Break was the first one I did with Chuck Norris. I had a little small scene with a few lines in it. And uh and then uh God just kept blessing and 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 uh different people would asked me to be in films with them and I, I just, it just thing and, and naturally and End of the dragon was the very first thing we did when I got back. And I always tell people this: End of the dragon, I was I was the main star in End of the Dragon. I had two point three seconds in that movie. <laughs> wow. So that's a lot of movie time in end of the dragon yes and so i tell him that i was a star and the reason i <laughs> use that term was i did a film after that with um with chuck norris a uh, force of one mm-hmm. i had a character part i played i mean it was very small but a character part i played in that one and i got more publicity and and response from people and all i said was muhammad was point at me and, and called me to the front and I say ready hoo and that was the whole line that was it <laughs> i'm now a movie star cuz i did ready hoo, in the in into the dragon <laughs> and and that movie did more for me than any film i have done up to that point i did like three or four maybe five i did one with jim kelly uh uh after that uh and anyway it just it never into the dragon that 3.2 seconds did more for me than then the last movie i just i just did a movie last year uh called Cap arrowhead is playing now on uh on Amazon now okay and and that movie i'm co-starring in and I'm the lead not the lead in in starring but the lead in the film the, the whole movie was about my character and that movie haven't done for me what it is a dragon did <laughs> wow
0: that's great so is Hollywood, like making movies is that something you tried to do on your own, or was it someone just talked you into it?
1: You know, I never really wanted to be an actor because I'm not, what's the right term? I'm not motivated to study and read scripts, and that's not my motivation. Last year, I did a film myself called Brothers by Choice, and when I said I did it, I produced it, directed it, and my production company did it. And, um, in fact, I'll send you a copy of it. Uh, oh. Cause I did this I had some, uh, DVDs made of it. Oh, wow. And, oh. and that, that movie only cost me to do it. Now, I had to, I bought all my equipment, but that movie only cost me $20,000. And I had, Muhammad is in it for a few minutes. Oh. So, uh, but I'll send you a copy. If you text me after we finish, uh, or the address I can send it to, I'll send you a copy of it.
0: Definitely. Thank you.
1: Now, it's not that. a great movie. It's only 20 grand, but I'll tell you what, it's It's real. It's, it's my baby. Yeah. <laughs> it's, my, it's my baby. So but anyway, yes, I, I never had a desire to be an actor. Every, I've, I've only done one interview in my life for a movie, and, th- and that was uh, a Killer Elite. I did. I went and read for that with uh, Sam Paul. And I and Sam didn't want he he hired me to do it and then he changed his mind. In fact, I still get paid for that movie and I never was in it (laughs) because I had a I had a contract with Sam Pay and Paul. Wow. But anyway, the point is that's the only movie I've done where I went and read for it. Rest of them, they just asked me to do it and I wouldn't get it. Okay. So even this last this last movie, the same thing I did last year. Mm -hmm. That movie was I was at that, that that script was written for uh my goodness i always say that the the singer that wear the white shoes i can't think of his name but at the moment but it was written for him and tbn the the son of paul crouch jr uh, asked me to go and uh and and for that movie and that's and i didn't even want i didn't want to read for that i told him no and then they came to me again and i accepted to do it so Yeah, I've never had to go and read because that's not something I really want to do. I like behind the scenes, though. Mm -hmm. I like working behind the scenes. Okay.
0: What led you to to do the book with Tom? And did anyone ever approach you before that to try to get you to tell your story?
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. Okay. And, but nobody had the reputation, the skill, or the quality of writing like Tom Bleaker. Right. Tom Bleaker is probably one of the Best, and it's not because he just did the book for me, but he's probably one of the best writers in script and in uh, a book form uh, that I've, I've I've dealt with. He's he's very good. He, I was just inspired by him. The fact that he would do it was a plus for me. Right. <laughs> Tom Baker is not cheap. If you if, if he if you hire him, you are gonna pay big bucks to have him write a book. So he so it's not like I went and I didn't hire him. The write it. So I'm just saying this, it was a pleasure. It was a pleasure having him. I got involved with him through the it was in, I guess the arts and being a part with Kempo and so on. So all of that is part of it because my Kempo training when I met with Steve Muhammad, went from Taekwondo to Kempo. Right. So uh the Tom Bleaky was an excellent Kempo man himself.
0: And and how has the book been received? Uh, I mean I everyone very,
1: I've... very, very, very well. I don't know the, the full sales, I guess we could look on You can Google it, but it it did okay. It did okay. Nice. At least I did okay from it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's good. That's good.
0: So has there ever been any talk or anything about doing a movie about your story? Because, I mean, after reading the book, I mean, just hearing your story is enough. But, I mean, just after reading it, I mean, I would think that would make a great movie.
1: Well, you know, we did have a major production company contact me to do the movie, but for some reason it never happened and I can't tell you the reason. I don't know. I even followed up and they they just changed their mind in doing the book, uh, doing the movie from the book. But uh I'm sure it that will happen because there's several other people have talked to me about it and wanted me to sign with them, okay. but they're not they they don't have the, the uh capital or the notoriety for me to want to do that. Okay.
0: Okay. So, if you got to pick, who would you want to play you in the movie?
1: Hmm, um, you know, I really don't know. I, I think I uh, Samuel Jackson. It would be if, he, if I had a <laughs> character like he would be the one that right, and play me right now at my age. <laughs> but,
0: That'd be awesome.
1: <laughs> but uh, as a young person in the time coming up, I I really don't know. Uh, I, I really don't have anyone in mind.
0: Yeah, would you want an unknown, or would you want a a big name to
1: play you if you had to pick? I, I just want someone that had charisma. Okay, they have to have charisma and personality, because uh, that's the key to me. Uh, a known person that have no charisma would do to, do me no good. Right. And a, a unknown person with charisma would be uh, an example. Would be this now when you when you see Bruce Lee. His dialogue was the worst in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, his his uh, personality wasn't that great, but boy, did he have charisma! Yes, he could. He can just walk on the screen. Once his face hit the screen, you see the back of his head, and that told a lot. He just had the charisma. His moves, his his uh, I don't know how to explain it, his his technique. All of it fit together, and he was just he had charisma. That's what made him, you know, like I tell people, Bruce Lee, they, they ask me this question. I'm sure they probably ask you the same question. Who would win if you fought Bruce Lee? Do you think <laughs> you can beat Bruce Lee in a tournament? You know. And I tell people this, Bruce, I don't know of any tournament that Bruce Lee had won. Right. I don't know of any. I, I met him at the International when he did a demonstration. I was there. I met him at Warner Brothers Studio because I was uh, the uh, trainer. Uh, at that time, for Sterling cellophon, I was his physical fitness trainer, and uh, and I sat there when he was doing the Green ha- Green haunted mm-hmm. and uh, uh Sterling cellophon, uh, and him met quite a bit. So, but I don't know. Maybe you know of a tournament he won. I don't know of any.
0: No, I don't think he ever actually competed in tournaments. He was. You know, I mean, I, I know he's fought in the streets growing up and stuff, and you know, it right. Kind and of he, depends who you ask.
1: One, yeah, and and he's probably one of the best martial arts actors ever hit the screen. Yeah. And, but it, I tell me, you know he's it's like I tell him this, John Wayne wasn't a cowboy, <laughs> but you can't tell my daddy that, <laughs> <laughs> you but he still wasn't a cop you that's know? true, <laughs> but but there are people that declared they were the best cops in the world, the best cowboy in the world, Yep. so but anyway, the point is uh in saying all of that is, I don't know who would play me, mm-hmm. and I don't have anybody in mind at this point, okay.
0: I just I I hope we get to see that movie. I really do. I, w- I would love to see that. So, is there anyone uh, throughout your tournament career, anyone that you never got to fight with in a tournament that you wish you could have?
1: You know, just about every known name that did well in the uh, tournament world, I've competed. You know, the Joe Lewis, the mm-hmm. Chuck Norris. The, uh, you know, I guess the only one he lived in my neighborhood now. Uh, that I, I wish I was able to compete back then not now cuz you know I'm 75 years old <laughs> right <laughs> but then would have been Benny the Jet oh, young Yes. and Benny the Jet has such a I mean boxing uh, full contact point contact that boy he was, he was just awesome in all of it and uh but I never had I never fought Benny the Jet never okay. because he with big weight difference I was a middleweight and he was a lightweight Right, but but if you know if I win my my division, I, I would fight that part the middle the lightweight. So, uh, but anyway, my point is I've never fought him ever. Uh, I fought everybody else. You, that you know, uh, John Latividad. Uh, you, you name him, I fought him. Okay, good.
0: You know, no, bet, ben, best, be- Benny. Benny be a good one.
1: <laughs> oh, Benny would have been a. Uh, even I, I just say even now I wouldn't want to deal with Benny, but back <laughs> then. <laughs> But back then, I would have.
0: Nice. So what advice would you give to someone who contacts you and they've never done martial arts in their life and they're thinking of getting involved? What tips would you give them, like what to look for in a school and maybe what to avoid in a school?
1: Well, it would, the actual style or system or school wouldn't even matter. And the reason I say that is this. If I get a cocoa bottle and a broomstick and I train someone well how to use that. And they put in the time, put in the work and practice. They can become great. So the style is irrelevant. The system is irrelevant. What's important is, are they willing to put in the work? If you're willing to put in the work, results will come. Okay. I guarantee you. That is most martial artists seek out a belt. A belt will not make you good. Right. In fact, a belt can make you look bad. It is better to have no belt and look good than to have a black belt and look bad. So I, I will pursue the training. Anything you put in, you put the time in. The, the Bible said in a certain way, it says, whatsoever a man soweth, that shall that man reap. So you can only get out what you are putting in. If you don't put orange juice in the glass, don't expect to drink orange juice when you turn it to your mouth. Okay. So, so it's important that you put in the training and you will see the results. You know, it's like I tell people when it comes to money, all you need is a purpose in life. If you have a purpose in life, money will find you. But if you desire and pursuing money, money will avoid you. And you would have to work real hard just to get it. Okay. But if you enjoy what you do, I guarantee you money will find you. Nice. So success will find any person today, no matter what style it is, if they put the work in.
0: Great answer. I like that. All right. I'm curious, what are your thoughts on like MMA and the UFC? And are you a fan at all?
1: Yes, I am. I, I don't really, uh, do the pay per view per se as I as my friends do. Yep. But yes, I the MMA I, I think that is a good uh sport. I, they're very good fighters, but I don't call that martial arts. Okay. Uh, I it's not martial arts. It is competitive fighting, uh using kicks, elbow, knees and punches and throws and whatever you can get to work you use it yep and you have to have the skill i'm not diminishing i'm not telling you they're not skillful fighters they are they're warriors but i don't consider that the martial arts it must have an art to it no it's not the martial arts is not a blood sport it's an art and you practice your skill and you, you you practice that skill you know it's like i tell people they say well When you practice and you pull a punch, you gonna do the same thing when you are fighting, you will pull a punch. I tell them that's, that's not true because what you're learning is you're learning how to control the punch. If anything you don't control will hurt you. I don't care what it is. If you got a wife, you can't control. She'll hurt you. You got a (laughs) dog. You can't control. It'll hurt you. So anything you can't control will hurt you. So, a martial artist has to learn how to control his kicks, his punches, and etc. So, but when it comes to MMA, its my objective is to get you to blood, get you to bleed, and for me to see blood and to knock you out. It, it's not about controlling nothing. It's about me just doing whatever I can do to uh, that I practice to control you. Okay. So, but the MMA, the MMA, that, 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 that is a good sport. I don't, I'm not condemning. And those are warriors. Right. Nice. Okay. Good answer.
0: So who were some martial artists that you would put on your Mount Rushmore of martial
1: arts? Number one, Steve Muhammad. Nice. Number two, Ed Park. Nice. Okay. Number three would be Benny the Jet. Very cool. Okay. Number four, if I had to uh, choose uh, the fourth person out of all the people I know, would be Grandmaster Byung Grand Master Byung-Yu. So those are the ones that I would sit there to look at.
0: Nice. At least two that no one else has ever said before. So I like that. I like having new answers on that. So, all right. Mm-hmm. So in all your years of martial arts, do you have a favorite philosophy you've learned in martial arts? Maybe one that you still use in your everyday life and still come back to?
1: Yes. The theme is, the, the, the mantra is this. Karate is my skill. I will defend my friends and my loved ones to the end. But when I present myself day or night, they will always know I'll walk away, I'll run away. But if I have to, I will fight. Nice. Very cool. I like that. And another thing, another one that I hold on to is this. The only fight I have never lost, is the one I've never had to get in.
0: I like that. That's a good
1: one too. So I, I believe that the martial arts, the art itself, represent who I am. And fighting is not you, you can teach a dog how to fight, right? But can you teach a dog how to think? And you train the martial arts. It's not what you do with your heat with your knee, your your feet, and your hands. It's what you do with your mind. So it's important to maintain a strong power for mine. And if you got the fight to prove you can whoop somebody, you lost the fight before you got in it because you
0: don't know if you can do it. Right. Great answers. I love those answers. All right. So these last few now you, you can't pick anything that you yourself have been involved with. So first of all, do you have a favorite martial arts book?
1: Um, yeah, <laughs> but they're not well known. They're probably. <laughs> okay. Well, that's even better. not well-known, but the only, I guess, the only uh, well-known one is really not per se martial arts, uh, but it's one called The Secrets in Life for the Warrior. Okay. Uh, That book, uh, I don't think it's even, because it was a friend of mine that wrote it, and the secrets were finding yourself, learning how to find out who you are, and then taking you Believing in you and preparing you to fight. Okay. You know, be your, be your own trainer. The whole moral of it is train yourself type of thing. But the, the secret <laughs> was you need to know who you are. Any well-known uh, martial art books, I guess. I'm trying to think. Um, I, I read Benny's book. Yep. I really like that. I've read um, the martial artists that I do know that have books. I I don't know if I read their books entirely. I just read some of it. Okay. Um, so I, there's no, there is no book. I'm not a great reader of books anyway. Okay. Except the Bible. Right. <laughs> so, oh,
0: that's okay. Okay. How about a favorite martial arts TV show?
1: Ah, I, I did. I really did love kung fu series. I really did. Okay. Yeah, that was one that I I really did love. Uh, yeah, that would be the only one I would put in the category of that i enjoy watching
0: okay now did you ever watch the the sequel that came out in the early 90s the kung fu the legend continues
1: i probably have but i can't recall it in my mind right now but i think i have okay
0: all right and final question favorite martial arts movie
1: well my end of the dragon definitely my favorite of all time uh and uh second uh to that would be um i guess chuck norris's one um Force of One, I really liked the way it was done. Okay. And even though I was in it, but I watch it quite a bit. Not so much to watch me, but to see how I like his move. I I think End of the Dragon and uh, Force of One.
0: Okay. Okay. So I got to ask, as a Kempoist, uh, did you enjoy Perfect Weapon? Yes. Okay. (laughs) Yes. Okay. (laughs)
1: Okay. I should have named that one. I really should oh, have made that okay. Make that my third one. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I just thought of that. Cause I actually just interviewed Jeff Speakman a couple hours ago, so <laughs> we were talking oh, about that movie okay. a little bit. So, <laughs> okay, but, yes, that was that was
1: good. I yeah. did yes. The answer is yes.
0: Well, three three good movies, and huh? that's good. Awesome, cool. Well, Donnie, I just want to thank you. This has been so much fun. I know we we kind of gone talked about it for a while and both have very busy schedules. I'm glad we were very, you know, finally able to actually schedule this and sit down and chat. And I've I've enjoyed hearing about your story and, and Mm -hmm. looking forward to seeing the movie you're talking about. And, and hopefully the movie about you someday, I'd love to still love to see that. And and I will continue to recommend your book to as many people as I can. So
1: I I really appreciate it. But let me just say how much I thank you for uh, giving me this opportunity because uh, it also, Enhance and help me. It, it does. It it opens up uh, Donnie Williams to other people who may not know him. And also, I want to say I, I really do thank God for the privilege that He's given me to even speak to people. And I and I my prayer is that from what I say, I hope I didn't sound or act like I'm some great thing because no, I'm really I'm really not. And and I. I really do believe in my Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ, and I honestly want to be an excellent representation. Uh, Martial arts is something that I truly, truly love, and my relationship with God is something I really, truly, truly love. So I pray and I hope that whomever heard me will hear God in my voice as well as my history, because I don't want to or disclose, you know, make it look like I was this nice guy in the, in the past. Cause I really wasn't, uh, so anyway, but I want to say thank you for allowing me this opportunity.
0: Thanks for listening to everyday martial artists. We hope you will join us every week for a brand new episode with a different martial artist telling their story. If you enjoy the show, be sure to leave us a review. Also be sure to check out our website at EverydayMartialArtist.com. There you can find all of our episodes and contact us to suggest guests and ask questions. Again, thanks for listening to Everyday Martial Artist, and we'll see you next week.